We're now in our third week of going through the series in Romans. And last week, John Kim did a fantastic job talking about 64 verses in the first three, in the first three chapters of the book of Romans and helping us understand, giving us this image of being in a courtroom and on one side are the Jews, on another side are the Gentiles, and both Jew and Gentile alike, both non-Jewish people and Jewish people are alike under sin. We're all condemned. We're all unrighteous. And so what we're going to be doing today is talking about what um, another aspect of righteousness, a new kind of righteousness that comes. And I just wanted to share a little story um, about myself, and I'll share some stories about myself today. Leland High School in Almondon Valley has outdoor hallways and no lockers. And what I've noticed is when I was, when I was growing up, every time I'd see on a TV show or a movie um, a high school, there's always indoor hallways and there's always lockers. But pretty much all the high schools in this area have none of that. And so I want you to imagine my junior year, it's a beautiful day, and I'm walking down this hallway, and it's the longest walk I've ever experienced. And the reason it was such a long walk is because it was the day that we were getting back our PSAT scores. Now, most people don't really care about the PSAT because it stands for practice, right? It's the practice SAT. But that day had particular significance because um, of the, the peer group I was in and because of my parents. And I was going down to the office with my two friends, Jack and Jason, and all of us were the children of immigrants. All of us are the children of immigrants. We still are um, the children of immigrants. And um, there's a lot of pressure within our peer circle to succeed. And all three of us, our dads worked for IBM. Okay, IBM, some of you may have heard of IBM. IBM is kind of a tech dinosaur, but back in the 1990s, I know this is a long time ago, back in the 1990s, IBM was bigger than Apple. I know that's crazy, but it was bigger than Apple at that time. And so IBM had a scholarship called the Watson. And the way that you qualify for the Watson scholarship, which is worth $8,000 a year, that's like a million dollars today. Okay. That's like, it was a lot of money back then. It could, it could pay for a year of a UC education. Okay. Um, and you could, so I know it's crazy. It doesn't cost that anymore. Um, and so at that time, it was a really big deal to be able to get the scholarship. And there's one guaranteed way in which you qualify. And that is to get national merit on the PSAT, which is the top 1%. And so as I was walking to get the test score, um, as we were walking back from the office, I opened up the letter and I scored in the 98th percentile. And my two friends, Jack and Jason, scored in the 99th percentile. And I will always remember the two of them um, walking ahead of me in the hallway, cracking jokes, and I was just a few feet behind them, but it could have been 1,000 miles. And that's, what I, that's when I felt most profoundly, one of the times I felt most profoundly, what is it like to fall short? What is it like not to make the cut? Um, and I knew one of the hardest things was to be able to talk to my dad about it um, because I know he had mentioned the scholarship to me many times and also to his friends. And so what I want to explore today is what happens when you don't make the cut and what happens when all the work that you do doesn't get you there? Because we all know colleges have an admissions process and thank God it's so much easier to get into colleges today, right? So much, okay. Um, so colleges are super hard to get into, they're more expensive, but all of them are based on a very specific process. They are looking at your either potential or current body of work. They wanna know your capacity to be able to do work or you've shown the ability to do so. And the book of Romans addresses the idea of work 
and what it means to make a cut because of work, all right? So let's look at the first verse that Vanessa read. Romans 3.20 says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Now, that, I want to define some of the terms here. One of the first terms here is this, word, is this phrase, works of the law. A work, works of the law just means a religious system. It's a bunch of rules and regulations. And the rules and regulations the Jews live by, these are the chosen people of God, is that they, they were, it was based on an agreement, a sacred agreement called a covenant, that if they followed those rules, then God would be their God. And it was a way for them to approach God. Now, I want you to know every organization has works of the law, something you do to um, abide by the system, to follow the rules. Like, for example, if you're in school, your school has rules. Kids club has rules. Your workplace has rules. And, of course, um, colleges have rules on who they let in. Even our family has rules. Like, we are, I was talking with my wife this morning. There are rules in our kitchen. There are rules in our dining room. And if you fail to finish all of your food, you will face the wrath of Judy Muck, okay? And that is one of the rules. So there, is, there are works of the law in every sphere of society, in every kind of organization, in every kind of group. Now, another word that I want to go over in 320 is it says, for, the, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Now, last week, John talked about this courtroom image, and one way you can think about justified is that you are declared innocent, okay? If you're justified, you've been declared innocent. So if you're talking about a courtroom and you're on trial, if you've been justified, you are innocent of the crime. Now, another way you can think of being justified is that you can gain admission, right? When we talk about colleges and gaining admission, that's also being justified. So I want you to keep those two metaphors in mind. It's getting accepted into something, or it means being declared innocent. It means both of those things. Now, there's one more word that comes in here, and that's the word sin. And it says, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Sin is a word that's used often in the Bible, and it's used as both a verb and a noun. Okay, a verb means something you do, but a noun means almost like a state of being. And this one, in this case, in this verse, it's actually a noun where it says knowledge of sin. You get an awareness of sin. And this week in our life group, and I will give credit for Anna for making this statement, um, it says since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And what she said in our life group was the law is kind of like a COVID test. Okay, the law is a COVID test because it tells you for sure that you're sick. You may have a suspicion that you're sick because you're coughing and your throat is sore and you have a fever, but the COVID test tells you for certain that you're sick. And so the purpose of the law, the purpose of these rules and regulations is to confirm, yes, you're sick. Yes, you have a problem. And so let me tell a story. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell the story, but as I do, I'm going to give you guys a minute to also tell a story to each other. Okay, but I'm going to tell my story first. So you have a chance to think about it. The, the question is this. What was a rule you broke as a kid? Okay, what was a rule you broke as a kid? So just think about that for a second. Just think about that for a second. And let me tell my story first. Let me tell my story first. Um, I went to Chinese school growing up. Does anyone, did anyone grow up going to Chinese school or go to Chinese school today? Okay, some of you. I went to Chinese school or a language school, any kind of language school growing up. All right, um, yes, thank you, No. Yes, I got it. Um, so I went to Chinese school, and one of the rules of Chinese school is that you start break with a bell, not like, a, not like the 
not like a beeping sound, but an actual physical bell. Is it still the same way? It has not changed in like 30 years. That's crazy. Okay. Okay, so you use, you use a physical bell to like start recess, right? And then when recess is over, someone rings the bell again. I'm sorry, Wendy and Sam, for putting this idea in their heads, but um, it's going to happen. And then when the recess is over, the, they, they walk around ringing the bell again to, um, to end recess. And what my brother and I did was he had this idea, you know, we could make recess last forever if we take away the bell. Okay. All we have to do is take away the bell. And so, so one time during recess, after the bell, after they walked around ringing the bell, we went to the classroom where they have the bell and it's unguarded guys. It's like the security around this bell is like laughable. There's like totally unguarded. And we, we went in and we grabbed the bell and we stuck it in another class. We would put it in the trash can. Okay. And so when recess was, was, it was time for recess to be over, there was no bell and we just kept playing. We were super excited. Of course, that lasted like five minutes. And um, then people, the, the teachers just started yelling for the kids to come back. And then we got in big trouble. Okay. Let's keep going. This is Romans 3.21. Now it says, but now, and whenever you see a but, it's a change of direction, meaning there's something different in the flow. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. And I just want to give a quick pet peeve of mine. Whenever I see the word apart, it's apart one word, apart one word, okay? Apart from, okay? But a lot of people use apart, like a part of, and they'll use apart the one word to show that it's together, okay? This is not apart together. It's not a part of, it's apart from, okay? It means separate, it means distant. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? But some of you are like, yes, this is, it drives you crazy. So it says here, it's apart from the law, which means a righteousness that is separate, that is not the same as the law. And this is the crazy thing about Christianity is you can have a righteousness that has nothing to do with how you behave. There's a new kind of righteousness. Well, actually it says, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, although what it's saying is that the Jews actually had an understanding that there was a different kind of righteousness that didn't have anything to do with the rules and regulations of Moses and Abraham and their patriarchs. There's a, there's a righteousness that has been talked about in the Hebrew scriptures, which we know today as the Old Testament. And so what, what Paul is saying here is that there is a way to be declared innocent that has nothing to do with your behavior and your works, and your ability to follow the rules. It's separate. And it's not actually that new, although it's being now newly revealed. And so in verse 32, I'm sorry, in verse 22 and 23, it says, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And then it says, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so this righteousness is something that we receive based on faith, based on trust. And I'll be talking more about what that means. But the thing that I really want to focus on is it says here, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I shared earlier this image of how I, was, um, I, I didn't make the cut when it came to the PSAT. And that meant not getting, a, not getting the scholarship. And I have a bunch of stories like that. Um, but one of the Images you should get when it, when it comes to falling short is that you didn't make the cut, is that you weren't accepted, is that you didn't receive honor. 
But this is even more serious because it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And again, sin is not just about behavior. It's also about the thoughts we have in our head. And at Kids Club this past Monday, I shared a story. I have a younger brother. He's 14 months younger. And we had a lot of trouble um, with each other as we're growing up. And I'll be honest, I just totally hated him because I thought my parents uh, favored him. Actually, they admitted it. They, they did. They favored him. They did favor him. Um, actually, they favored him because I was mean to him. That's actually the reason why. Um, but there was this one time when he was sleeping in the car, um, and I decided, you know what? This is my chance. And I wrapped the seatbelt um, around his neck while he was sleeping. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Someone did a gasp. I shared the story. Yeah, so I, brought, I mean, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. Yeah. Um, um, so, <laughs> but, but that's just one of the things that is super evil about me. And I don't even, I won't even want to get into all the different thoughts that I had about him and the way that I treated him and my general attitude towards him. Okay. And that's an example of what I talked about earlier of what the Bible calls sin. It's not actually just behavior. Yes, that behavior was evil, but the thoughts that I had in my head about him and how superior I felt, and honestly how jealous I was, especially once I saw my parents favor him, I was super, super jealous. That's an example of what the Bible calls sin and how we fall short of the glory of God. And when you think of glory of God, I want you to think of like this picture of what the ideal person looks like, of living up to your, all the potential that God has given you. Okay? That's, what it, that's what the glory of God looks like. In fact, I remember as a kid, everyone would say, oh, you've got so much potential. And what they mean is like the things that you can accomplish someday. And I always felt like, man, I'm always falling short of that potential. And that's what this word means, is that you fall, not only are you sinful, but you fall short of the glory of God. You fall short of the potential that you're supposed to live up to. And God has a solution for this. In 324, it says this, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And then it says in 325, and this is a hard, there's a hard word I'm going to say here, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. So let me define this word propitiation. It means generally to appease or to reconcile, to, to bring something together, okay? And I want you to know that after I wrapped my seatbelt around um, my brother's neck, like there was, there was a, a rift in our relationship. Actually, there was already a rift before that just increased it. So there was some distrust between us after that. He, he was probably a little more nervous about going to sleep um, in front of me, right, and, and what I would do. And so when the Bible talks about propitiation, it talks about how do you repay the debt because of an evil that's happened. And let me just share like a quick example, um, maybe more for the adults. There's a woman named Elizabeth Holmes who started a, um, a company called Theranos, and she swindled people out of $700 million. $700 million. And, but she had to pay a fine, guys. She's, she had to pay a fine of $500,000. So... And that's like point zero. I did a calculation. That's like point zero zero. It's like a point zero zero one percent of the seven hundred million that she had to pay back, right? And so there's a sense when someone hurts someone badly that somehow it needs to be paid back. It needs, there needs to be amends need to be made. And even if someone steals something from you and they give something back, you know that's not exactly enough. Right? Because there's a violation. There's like a cosmic violation. There's a trust that's broken in that instance. And that's what the Bible talks about when it talks about propitiation and redemption. Because we need to be set free from that and we need to be reconciled. 
And God gave his son, gave his son Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who followed all the rules and regulations so that we didn't have to. And that's what this passage is saying. And so let me read that one more. Let me read 326. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Okay? And what it's saying there is that God is righteous. He is innocent. And it's to demonstrate that he's innocent and just, like he's fair, and that not only is he fair, but he's the one that makes other people good. He's the one that declares other people as innocent. He's the one that accepts others. And he does that because of his son. And so let me, let me kind of close um, with talking about giving you an image of what it means to put faith in the righteousness of Jesus, what it means to put faith in someone who did something for you. Now, um, I applied to Stanford when I was in high school. And one of the things Stanford requires, you know, to show all your work and, and that you, I'll use the word merit, that you merit um, going to their school, is they ask for a letter of recommendation, a letter of recommendation from a teacher. And so I asked my English teacher, who, Mr. Carlson, and he said no. And I asked him why, he said, well, you don't have a 4.0, so you have no chance. You have no chance of getting in, so just, just give up. <laughs> And I thought, wow, I definitely have no chance now because <laughs> you were like my best bet of being able to get in. And I went to my math teacher and she said no because she's like, you weren't actually very well behaved in my class. So. <laughs> and so around this time, I was like, you know, I'm just going to do a whole bunch of activities because my grades aren't good enough. Um, and my, I don't know about my test score, so I just did a whole bunch of activities. And all, all throughout high school, and that's probably the way I am now, I just do activities to like help myself feel like I'm good enough. Um, and I did academic decathlon and ASB. I even joined this club called Club Jesus. I know it's like a, it's like a Christian club. Um, there's no cool kids in that club. <laughs> you join that club and you are not cool. But I did all kinds of activities because I wanted to merit being, in, being, being good enough to go to Stanford. And so let me give you an image then. Let me give an image. The, the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus, is like receiving a letter of recommendation from Jesus, or he himself is your letter of recommendation. And the way that you receive this letter of recommendation, and by the way, if you get that letter, that's all you need to get in. That's all you need to get in. And I'm, when I say get in, I don't mean Stanford. I mean eternal life, acceptance, and worth. But the only way you receive that recommendation letter is you have to trade all of your grades. You have to trade all of your test scores. You have to trade all of your activities. You have to, you have to give all of that up. You have to like Scratch it out, okay? You scratch all that stuff out, and then you can receive, and, tr and you place trust in that letter of recommendation that Jesus gives us. That's the way that we receive acceptance. That's the way that we are justified, because there's nothing you can do on your own to get to it. It's all based on his letter of recommendation, the letter of recommendation of his life. And to give you one more metaphor that John gave, Let's talk about the courtroom, and you are guilty of the crime. What God can do, what God does through his son, is he gives a pardon, okay? He gives a pardon, and he pays the debt that the, that the criminal should pay through his son, through his son's perfect life, and that's how we are pardoned. And we do that based on faith, based on trust, because we admit that we are guilty and that we fall short. And so I want to give a picture of what that looks like. And so let me ask um, two of our elder candidates 
to come on up. So many people say that Christianity is a crutch, right? That Christianity is just something that supports you. Um, I actually think Christianity is way more than that. It's like way worse for us. Christianity is a stretcher, okay? It's a stretcher. We, you, need to, you need to fall and lay down on this thing. And so um, we're gonna do what's called a trust fall, right? And what a trust fall means is you trust someone to catch you. And in this case, I want you to imagine that this is, this is Jesus, okay? This two of them, two of them together, Jesus, right? Um, and they're gonna catch me. But what that means is I've gotta fall. I've gotta acknowledge that I fall short um, and that, I'm gonna, that he's gonna catch me. Because the only way you can fully admit that you have no righteousness of your own is to fall, okay? Um, and then you've gotta do it backwards. Okay, you guys ready? Okay, how about we get a countdown from the crowd? Three, two, one. Ready? Three. Oh. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And now I want to invite some kids to come up to do the same thing. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We don't, we don't, we didn't have time for the waivers. Okay. We have to get the waivers signed for that to happen. Okay. The, um, you know, what I did here, are you, was that nervous? Was that nerve wracking? Okay. <laughs> um, the way, the way I just did it, um, it looked like a one-time decision. But I just want you to know, when you decide to receive Jesus, it absolutely is a one-time decision, but we continue to decide to fall into his arms and have him catch us. That's what a life of faith means. And so if you are new to Christianity today, you can decide to fall into his arms. And it means giving up everything, everything about you, everything that you can do to work for his acceptance and for your own righteousness and to fall onto his. And if you make that decision today, I just encourage you to tell someone about it. Let's pray together. God, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in both our thoughts and our behavior, we have turned from you and to our selfish, selfish and destructive ways. And not only that, but we've fallen short of the potential of who we can be. Lord, thank you that you give a righteousness, that you declare us innocent and you accept us, not because of what we've done, but because of what your son accomplished. He is our letter of recommendation. He is our pardon. Lord, would we fall into his arms today. In Jesus' name, amen.